process almost to the point of obsession because making things, whether it's visual art or textiles or writing, is one of the most important things in my life. It makes me very happy. I, I feel like myself. So I was really excited when Anne Tannum agreed to do a pod chat because not only is she a fabulous poet, but she also coaches people to harness their own creativity in business and work and life. So she can do it herself and, which is fabulous for us, she can tell us how to do it too or actually give us ways of finding out how to be more creative in our own way for ourselves. It took Anne about 40 years to start writing and I am so glad she did. She's the author of two wonderful poetry collections with a third, 26 Letters of a New Alphabet, coming soon from Summon Poetry later this year. So whether you feel you have zero creativity or whether you're an established artist, whatever sorts of things you're interested in making or writing, this episode will improve your creativity and give you more joy. And so much for um, agreeing to chat with me today. And as I was just saying, it's all about me because I have, we're going to be talking about writing and creativity. And I, so I bought all my real life hot questions for you to solve. But I am assuming that my questions are pretty much universal. Yeah, I mean, of course, everybody has their own way of asking questions and, and reasons, but certainly the the same questions come up again and again when people are either stuck or perhaps you know need a little unblocking in their creative process there's a there's a universality to all of us when it comes to to the to the process Mm. okay so I'm gonna I'm just gonna go for it (laughs) having started like that right right okay so how how do we aka me no I, I can't <laughs> I can't make this into free free coaching okay so what I notice is that myself along with lots of other people we get really scared you know these internal voices the critics that got stuck into our systems as as young people come and plague us in our own particular flavor, you know, that you can't do it, or this isn't, you're not the sort of person who, or you will fail, or people will laugh at you, whatever our particular flavor is, comes as soon as we pick up a paintbrush or a pen, or even think about it, these thoughts come into our minds. So how, in the real world, how do we deal with these fears and inner critics? So the, yeah, the the famous inner critic, so in my own writing, I, I, didn't, I didn't really understand who the inner critic was until several years later and did some reading around uh, what's called family therapy systems and the realization that your inner critic is part of a, is an aspect of you, but it is, is very much kind of part of a system that's designed to, pr- to protect you 
And so the inner critic, no matter what they're saying, if we remember that their role is to protect us, mm. we can then begin to have a conversation with that inner critic, mm. asking what, what it is that they're trying to protect us from. Mm. And, and as you said earlier, Kate, you know, that, that inner critic, that voice comes from when we were, typically when we were, were quite young, it, it, it's very much laid down early in our lives. So remembering that the inner critic is very much a small child and and they're they're often very scared so if you hear the voice whether it's angry whether it's you know sneering whatever behind it recognizing that its function is to protect us mm. and 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 often that voice is is telling us that it's afraid of something mm. so as adults who care deeply about ourselves and care very deeply about our, our writing or or our creative process whatever our creativity is we do have some work to do around getting to know mm. our inner voice, our inner critic. What are they trying to protect us from? And what can we, how can we relate to it in a way that says, I hear what you're saying. I understand. Thank you very much. I really appreciate what you're doing, but I've got it. Mm. I can, I can take it from here. Mm. You know, if, if I put my work out there and, and, and it's rejected, that's okay. We have resilience. Mm. If we put our work out there and again it's it's rejected, well then we can look and see what we can do, how, how we can improve. And we're always working on our craft. And you know, all of that reassuring adult voice that we can use on ourselves, Kate. Mm. And certainly in my own experience and, and the experience of many people that I work with, once they understand what the inner voice, inner critic is trying to do. The, the relationship changes, the dynamic changes, not overnight, of course. It's like every relationship, it takes it takes time. But they're playing a very important role and we need to appreciate and thank them for that. Mm. So sometimes we need, when we feel the fear, the voices, mm. or the, or the however it shows up, because it can show up as resistance or procrastination. It can show up in all sorts of subtle ways, right? It's not always, you know, no. kind of big teacher hierarchical voice in our heads. No. Sometimes we need to give time to understand and deepen our relationship. And sometimes it works much better just to slam the door <laughs> on them. And tell them to go away. <laughs> so how how can we hone our skills at knowing, finding the best ways to do different ways to deal with these situations? I think again, if we go back to the this relationship piece, and remember that that voice is 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 part of who you are. Is that is is an aspect of yourself. Mm. So that always recognizing that you you to slam the door in the face of 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 that in that moment may give you great ah, that's great and, and get on with it, but they're likely to come back at times even more demanding and more because <laughs> because they're they're asking to be heard. So I, I, I mean, 100% agree that as, you know, as, as, as a practitioner, there are times where we have to say firmly, I need, to get, I need to get on with this. And then whatever we need to do in order to quieten that voice in that moment. But 
and I, and I'm this is very much my my own sense of it is is that shouting at it or being aggressive or um it, it effectively we're doing that to ourselves mm. so it's a it's about how do we have a firm but loving relationship mm. with that aspect of ourselves that that we recognize began when we were children so it's very childlike mm. in how it copes and survives in the world mm. Now I'm not, you know, I don't, I, I, I have, I haven't, I'm not a psychologist or a, I, I, I think his name is Doctor, Doctor Richard Schwartzman, um, yeah, family therapy systems. It's absolutely fascinating, but it's being able to integrate all of those aspects of ourselves in a, in, in a, in a healthy way. Um, and before seven years previously, before that, you had this um, piece of theory that you that was so useful for you what did you do with your critics I think I think Kate because I didn't start writing till I turned 40 mm. so in a lot of ways my 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 critic or that that voice that said you're not you know you're not good enough or who are you to who are you to think that you could write I listened faithfully to that voice and was guided by it for n- nearly all of my adult life and so there, there was something about I needed to 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 get to a point in my own kind of life cycle that I was ready to take on that, to, you know, I was ready to be able to listen to that voice and still do it. You know, the, the, the cliche, you know, you, you feel the fear and you do it anyway. So even though the voice was certainly coming up and she was, you know, she was quite at, at times quite scathing, there was something in me that was just insisted on moving forward. And maybe again, because I'd waited so long, um, you know, I just, you know, so there was maybe a very strong part of me that said, well, if not now, when? And, you know, time is time is moving on. So I think it was a timing piece. That that voice didn't derail me. Now, it, it, it may also have it's it certainly derailed me at, when I was I, I was pulling together my first and, and my second collection where I was looking to, to present it in a way that said, here's my work. I really value it. I believe that there's a, you know, there's a cohesive collection here. I found myself writing a cover letter, for example, to one publisher, which was almost like gravel, gravel. And a really good young friend of mine, a bit like you're talking about your peers, a wonderful young friend, um, Alvi, you know, she, we, we would all, we were part of that kind of support group. I showed her the, the cover letter and she was like, Get out, you know, get out of bed. Booted me around and said, "Get in there and you know, tell them what you what you're really at." Mm-hmm. So having that support mm-hmm. made a big a big role in in allowing me to say, "Ah, yes, if I don't sound like I believe in what in what I'm doing and I believe in what my writing is, I'm not going to convince anybody." I've had that experience as well. I've been on on the receiving end of the the shop the sharp boot of um, Uma Dinsmore-Tooley, who uh, in no uncertain terms told me that what I had written was good enough and I didn't have to make myself small. Very sweary. And it woke me up. You know, I was literally woken up to, okay, I have to own this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, and, and and that's it. And that's why it is so fantastic to have to have our our our, band, our tribe around us of, of support, and I think particularly as women, um, 
when it comes to us using our voice and, and, and speaking and saying what we want to say, we haven't been good at it. Mm. So it's really powerful to have other women and like-minded men, of course, who are rooting for us and we're rooting for them. So do you think there is something gendered about women finding it hard? I mean, you know, this is necessarily a generalisation. Is it harder in general for women to allow their creative self-expression to be heard than men? Oh, yeah. Would you like to speak to that? Oh, uh, without, without a doubt. I think that women are... Are, are often say for example with writing are regularly writing and they're the ones that t- turn up more to workshops I mean I don't know what that's like here in, in the UK but certainly in Ireland your average creative writing workshop may have 10 women and two men or you know it's it's quite stark uh, how, how the, the, the gender difference so there are many many women writing and yet up to recently so few were being published and so few were even submitting to being published. So there was, there's no doubt there was an absolute gender bias um, in, in, in Irish publishing and I think across, in, across the world publishing towards men. And so many editors were men. So, you know, it was just across the board. So there's a huge responsibility there to, um, for, for women's voices to be heard. But we also, as women, have a responsibility ourselves to both put ourselves forward and put each other forward. Mm. And I think that's where the, the, the support and, and, and the peer, the having, having our tribe is so important. So why, why do you think this is? I mean, that might, that might sound like, you know, there are many obvious answers that you could give, but, you know, we are, are we post Me Too or are we Me, me Too still? I don't know, but, you know, to all, superficially, it would appear that women women's voices are increasingly heard and yet somehow still there's this reticence what what, what's going on here well change comes slowly so even though I think you know and many of the young women uh, and 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 the diverse voices across across the board whether it's LGBT or you know um any 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 diversity are are really starting to come through now and it's really really powerful it makes for such a rich um, a, a rich range of voices, but the reality is is that even e- even even now there are so many subliminal messages being given. You know, even at at every at every stage, Kate, which is you know, women's voices. For example, if if they're if they're um, the word shrill is never used uh, in relation to a man's voice. <laughs> um, you know, so. I think the reality is un- until we can glance at, you know, any any competition, glance at as we're reading the newspaper, and 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 see in the most in the most obvious way a a, a huge mix of voices, and and because women make up half the certainly I think more than half the world's population, that at least half of those voices are women's voices. Mm-hmm. I think until that becomes the norm we are still getting the message, which is your voice doesn't matter quite as much and the, what, you, what you want to write about and, he, and the way in which you write doesn't matter quite as much because the norm, as was seen with what was seen as normal or, or standard, we now realise was male and most cases it was white male 
Mm. And in most cases, it was, you know, a white male from, from quite kind of middle class backgrounds. Mm. And straight, of course. Mm. Yeah, and white. Oh, yeah. Very white. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it seems to me, from my experience and what you're saying, that one of the easiest things that we can do is get together and encourage each other. And just build that kind of support, you know, whether it's, you know, in, within a class or informally, just say, yeah. And just also keep doing it, you know? Yeah. Something about the commitment to self, whether you're for your creative practice, to commit to keep on doing it. Yeah. No matter what. <laughs> no matter what. So uh, to, to, your, to your first point, to, to, to gather to gather together and support each other in whatever way whatever way that looks oh, absolutely having a tribe having a community around you that both support you and you support them it, I mean it's just incredibly powerful and we know like we know that in every aspect of our lives but in terms of creativity incredibly powerful and the second point that you made is to turn up no matter what and I mentioned earlier that it took me 40 years to start writing. And in fact, how, how it happened was a very good friend of mine, Jennifer, she had been doing a life coaching diploma, which I subsequently did. And she asked me to be her guinea pig when she had to do pro bono for her training. And during those sessions, this realisation of, of how much I really wanted to write and how much I was holding myself back. So I committed for one year to turn up for an hour every day and write. Wow, that's a big commitment. Yeah, but the time was right. And so for a whole year, every single day before work, you know, before work, I I wrote for an hour. And so I had, I had 300 and no more. Yeah, 364, was it 64 days? Hours of writing where I was doing it, you know, nobody else was, this particular friend was, was looking at my work, but nobody else was looking at my work. And so I had the opportunity to, to get to know my own voice, to, to kind of see it growing in confidence. Um, and so she, she was, and another, another lovely friend as well, uh, Frank, you know, between them, they were the, they were the, the support that I needed in that first year. And then I was ready to to go out and you know to, to go out and, and, and share it in a, in, in a wider way so what I would say is that you know recognizing that particularly if you're quite nervous about writing and and, and your confidence is, is low choose very carefully the people you allow have eyes on your work particularly in the early days when you're only developing your craft mm. and yeah choose them carefully and wisely mm-hmm. yes you, you need a sort of and as much as the inner critic shows up you need all the other people like the kind of caring the caring mother or the caring best friend to really come in and advise about yeah yeah how to manage yourself how to manage yourself yeah and you know being careful that if you do choose somebody that that looks at your work that they are as you you know that they are not going to in any way impose their view of what is good or not on your work you know there, there is a point when you get confident and, and much clearer about your own voice you can then you know I think you're you're you, you have that robust um 
kind of confidence that comes with that so that when you do get criticism and of course we all get criticism at every stage and and and, and feedback that you're able to you know you're able to take it in okay ooh, it wasn't that wasn't great to hear okay what's useful to me you know what, what will I leave behind and what's useful for, uh, for me to take with me so um yeah so I think you know that the stage that we're at in our process Kate you know different you know it's a bit like the you know, in kind of business, they talk about teams, you know, they talk about, you know, for, forming and norming and storming. And, you know, it's it's very much the same in in with, with our own creative process, depending on where we are in the journey, different support is needed and different um, resources are needed for us. So tell, just to broaden the conversation that we've got, we started and really narrowed and we, <laughs> with my, how do I manage my bill? <laughs> broaden it out again into the kind of role that creativity plays in, in helping us be vital and alive and unstuck. Because you must, you have a, um, it's not counselling, is it? It's um, coaching, yeah. Coaching, coaching, yes. coaching practice. And you, yeah. help, you help people to, through transitions and help uh, people to work in teams and stuff. What role does creativity play in this wider picture of our lives? When you think, you know, I think it was Einstein who said, you know, creativity is intelligence having fun. <laughs> and, you know, our, our creativity, Kate, is is our innate, I believe, is it, it it's it's our one of our it's our deepest relationship with ourselves, our creative expression, our ability to to see beyond what is to what might be. I mean, it's it's the greatest gift of 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 our species i mean our our world as we know it for good or bad has been built on our ability to imagine um there's a great book homo sapiens can't remember the i'm looking over here at my bookshelves homo sapiens uh, uh, uh somebody harris i can't remember what his what his first name is um and he, 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 they were talking about the hypothesis of what what made Homo sapiens so so powerful, you know, so powerful and 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 at the top of the food chain, which is not the right place for us at all. But unfortunately, that's where we are at the moment. And they reckon that up to about 150 people, a tribe of about 150 people, can go about their business and 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 be a be you know kind of be a tribe um, and, and manage. But once you get beyond that number, you need something to hold them together. You need a, something cohesive that will allow them to see themselves as a unit mm. beyond just, you know, beyond a, a kind of a, 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 a group of people together. And that is a myth or a story to hold a people together. And whether that story is a nationalist story or whether it's a story of religion that pulls the people together. And so it was our, our, our creative ability to imagine is what allowed us as a, as, as a species to create whole, whole a global, a, you know, a, a, a global um, group of people called humans. Yeah. So our creativity is such a, an essential part of what it means to be human. And if our creativity is blocked or stuck in any way, it has massive impacts on the rest of our lives. So what, what are the requirements 
do you think for our creativity to flow? What do we need in our lives? What are the ingredients that need to be there to enable this flow? This flow. Well, we just we need to look to young children for the answer to that. And not even young children, any, any children. And it was young who 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 um who spent every afternoon out in his garden effectively playing to go back in to do to, to do the work. And there was a great there was a quote when I was I, I uh, teaching, I have a teaching background, and one of the great quotes was you know, that play is the serious business of childhood. What was he playing at? Oh, he was just pottering around the garden and he was okay. just giving himself, you know, when say playing, there was no agenda, nothing. He was, you know, he may have been, but he just he went out into the garden. So it wasn't to do gardening. It was simply to, to be curious and open. So one of the requirements is that we have no agenda yeah. except to play. And that curiosity that children have that we often lose as adults, mm-hmm. that, that, that the sheer joy in, in, in curiosity. And the next one is, um, and this is why so many, much, so many of us are stuck or are blocked, is we have to risk making mistakes. We've got to be able to make mistakes over and over and over again to get better and to learn. And very young, many of us were given the message that it wasn't okay to make a mistake. Mm. And many of us were given the message in school that, you know, um, to be good at art meant keeping within the lines. <laughs> so, you know, the requirement of, of, of having been free to, to take risks, make mistakes, get it wrong, start again. You have to have that, that, that curiosity, that no agenda. And there has to be time. You know, you mentioned that there has to be time put aside for it because, you know, and whether that's you're a CEO of a company, Kate, and, um, you know, you have incredibly difficult job to do. If you don't take some time to simply allow your mind to 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 daydream, to, you know, to to play when I say play, but play mental, you know, mental games to to give yourself space where you can make mistakes then the, the kind of innovative thinking, the, the, the creative problem solving is very difficult for us if, we're, if we're, we're kind of constraining ourselves to we've got to get this right mm-hmm. and there's only one way to do this. Yeah, yeah I can't breathe when you say that. <laughs> yeah. I can feel the constriction and the panic set yeah. in just hearing it. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. That's a great um, shopping list. Yeah, I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's more, but start. You know, start with those. Giving yourself time, stay open and curious. Have no. Have no agenda. No agenda. Yeah, I think. I think that that first one for me is really important. Not having goals, so that it's my attention is focused on the pleasure of the process. Or, yeah. or even when it's not fun, the texture of the process. Texture of the process, absolutely. And that's when magic happens. That's when magic happens. When I have a goal, you know, I might achieve it, but there's a, there's a lack of vitality. Yes. 
early on in my own process, and I'm not too sure where this came from, it may have come from my head, but I have no doubt that there were many other examples of it out in the world. I realized that there were two different types of energy that were needed, Kate, um, and one I call the creator and the other I call the caretaker. And so the creator needed those, you know, that error to simply turn up and play and be curious about where the language brought her and all of that, no agenda. And then the caretaker after a period had her job was to say, Ooh, um, that's great. Uh, now what, what might we do with this? Okay. That's interesting. So the very, the two very different roles. The creator is always in the driving seat. The creator is the, the mistress Oh, sorry. Yeah, the creator is the mistress, and the caretaker is this is this is the servant in this relationship. Mm. If if it flips the other way, if the caretaker is the one who's in control, who says you must write this and you must try and get it published here and you must do this, and the caretaker is working on behalf of or the creator is working on behalf of the caretaker, creativity just shrivels up. Mm. So once we remember that the most important uh, aspect is the creator and uh, it's the primary role and that secondary role then is the caretaker and very important role caretakers are very important people well the well, caretaker it sounds like they have they have a role of um like being an intermediary do you think is it like that, the outside yeah. kind of mediates between the, the that's right the process world of the interior creativity and then that world and yeah kind of Hmm. like a bridge yeah absolutely and so and and that's great so that intermediary is is both um helping the creator you know and deciding what comes from the creator but also is very clear about uh, i mean i call it the, the caretaker i you know i i, I know a client who, who the gatekeeper makes more sense to them as as the role so whatever that role makes sense to you um but there is there is certainly a, an aspect of it that protects the creator mm. from the, the you know the pressures and the in the same in the, in the same way that we would protect a child out 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 playing and doing doing what they need to do as as children. Yeah, absolutely. And bringing it into real concrete will, I mean, I'm I am bowing in awe at your hour a day. <laughs> like, whoa! That was the first. Now that was the first year, um, and there were many times. Oh, you know, I the, because particularly at the beginning of the relationship, there was just such you know there was just such excitement. So what what I would say, and it's now nearly fourteen years fourteen years later, is that I don't write every day, and I know for some uh, some people do write. I write regularly, and I'm all, I've always been true to the relationship. So even if there are periods of time when I'm not actually writing, I'm doing other writing-related activities that are all, are feeding me and nurturing and nurturing that creativity. So I read poetry all the time. I mean, I've been reading for many many years, nearly all my life. But you know, I would I'm reading poetry all the time. I'm I'm involved in in in. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm following my curiosity. I'm, I'm, re I'm reading up on things. I'm, you know, give, give, giving myself that freedom to, in my mind, to play with ideas, mm. so that 
when I do turn up at the page, I'm I'm kind of fresh and ready. Yeah, resourced. I'm resourced, exactly, exactly. Um, For somebody um, kind of hovering around and they kind of feel that internal pressure to get something out, mm. uh, uh, sort of <laughs> hovering around, hopping from foot to foot, mm. not quite able to commit, how do we make the time, given that life is full, particularly at the moment, our how our lives are sort of if you, if you're if you live with other people then there's a lot of demands on our time mm-hmm. how do how do we get to the point where we can commit to giving ourselves time to fail <laughs> and explore and be curious and not have a goal yeah absolutely and that's a yeah and that, that that's a great question isn't it because when we do feel stressed and, and, and pressurized with work and family and, and we're in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, we, we need a haircut. <laughs> um, what do we, so it's, 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 it's kind of a, it, it's almost, um, it, it almost feels counterproductive to, to try and fit in time because that just feels like more pressure. Yeah. Is that another thing on the to-do list? And you know, another thing okay, to do. I have I have to have fabulous sex. I have to do the homeschooling. Yes, get exactly. some exercise, maintain blah blah. Oh yes, and I have to be creative as well. Have to be creative. <laughs> so, you know, the, the the first thing I I I, I would uh, you know I, I would say I would say is just give yourself a moment to kind of to to to, to settle into that question of why does it feel important for me to in this case to write. Um, and just sit with that question and, and, and even ask, ask where, where does that, where does that question sit in my body? Mm-hmm. And for, again, for most people, you know, when that question is asked, there's a, there's almost an ache in them. There's an ache, you know, sometimes people feel it, you know, when, when I think of it, it's probably here in my chest. For some other people, it's in their, it's in their stomach or in, in their gut. So there's a, if you feel a a deep need to write, even if your life is shock a block with other things, so if 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 you realise this is something that's really important to me, and sit with that for a moment, and you say, okay, how how can I honour that? How can I honour this part of me that wants so desperately to write? given how busy I am and how maybe not how overwhelmed I am. So the next question that you ask yourself is what feels possible? Mm. Where may there be even small pockets in my day or week where I can honestly say, maybe I'm, 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 maybe I'm wasting a bit of time there. So you, so you might realize the hit, hit pure example there. You might say, do you know, I do find I'm absolutely, by nighttime I'm wrecked and eight o'clock I'm sitting down and I'm watching Netflix for an hour, just say, for example. And you might say, okay, so nighttime isn't the right time for me because my brain is, 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 isn't in its right place. So what, what is the time where I'm most likely to be, have a little bit of energy? And if you're a morning person like I am, somebody else might be a night owl. Somebody else might say, actually, 10 o'clock, I get that other, that little burst of energy before I go to bed. Or somebody else might say, 
maybe when I get up in the morning. So it might be, you say, well, for 20 minutes before I go to bed, if I'm a night owl, or 20 minutes, what feels possible? And somebody else might say, 20 minutes, I couldn't even contemplate that. Mm. And 10 minutes. Mm. And it doesn't have to be every day. You might say, what feels possible? Mm, 15 minutes, three times a week feels possible. You know, how does that, how's your body? How does that sit in your body? Mm. Yeah, okay, that feels possible. Then you try you do you try that for a few, you know you try that for the week and see how, how that feels. And if, um, if you're in any doubt, my phone has a little thing that tells me how long I've been on my phone every week. There you go. So you, you're finding pockets mortifying. of mortifying. It's mortifying. <laughs> you might you might discover actually I, I'm, I'm yeah I'm I'm on social media for for three hours a week. Yeah. You know, and you ask yourself, is that more important? Than, than, than wanting to turn up and then the second thing is and i'm unconscious of time here Duncan. the right. second thing kate is that sometimes to actually physically turn up and write feels too much it's, it just feels too much so i would say give yourself 10 15 minutes if you know to turn up to play mm. and and whatever that means to you it could be uh, i'll do morning pages some people are you know love the morning pages other people, it might be, I will read a, I will read in my, you know, read a poem or two, or somebody else might say, actually, you know what, I, I just need to clear my head. So, you know, I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for a walk, but with the intention of just noticing what's going on for me, not just going for a kind of a mindless must have a walk. And that is part of your creative practice. Because we have to fill up, right? We have, have, to, to, we have to be resourced in order. We have to be resourced. We've got, we've got to fill up. So, but if, so if we wait, if we wait until we're not stressed before we start, it's yeah. never going to happen. You know, it's, it can easily exactly. Be exactly. exactly, exactly. Yeah. So if we we fill up in whatever way is possible, mm. and 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 I would say as much as we can put pen to paper, or you know, it can be gobbledy gobbledygook. It doesn't matter. Um, you know that great thing of aim low so you're not putting yourself under any pressure but you're beginning you're beginning to feel something of the flow you're beginning to feel um a little bit more fluid in your creative movement Mm. and what about for people who who feel the 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 drive to do something but don't know what it is play so experiment with what that might be so try, you know, try this and, and see how that is and try somebody, you know, try something else. And, and you know, so people sometimes people say, oh, I don't know whether it should be in, in the writing context. I don't know whether it should be should be the short story or the novel or and, and often if, if, if you dig around around that is somewhere in the back of their minds, somebody has said to them, oh, if, if you want to call yourself a writer, you need to, you know, it needs to be a novel. Or, you know, if you, if you want to be an artist, it has to be oil. Mm-hmm. So often you say, ah, somewhere in there is this belief that in order to be a writer or a painter or whatever, I need to I need to do it in this way. Mm. So ask, well, what what what's coming organically for you? Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that kind of links me into the into the other big <laughs> another big question, which is about how our work is valued in society and particularly financially because making making little little pixies out of wool 
and acorns is not you don't go and see that in the national gallery you don't see that in the national gallery you see pictures of oils which are the valuable important mm. stuff so when you when you've tootled along a bit and you maybe you're 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 brave enough to call yourself an artist or a writer or maybe not and your work and your um what did you your mediator what did you call your mediator caretaker your caretaker your caretaker is sort of very gently and mindfully allowing your work out into the wider world in a safe and appropriate manner. And then you meet, you meet this thing where about financial value and how our inner work, our creative work, which is precious and holy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. doesn't meet with the outside world's value system. Yeah. And that can that is endlessly conflicted and excruciating endlessly so and and i know that elizabeth gilbert in her book uh, big magic which is which is all about creativity and it's a great it's a it's a great read in terms of of just really exploring what it means our, our innate desire to be creative and and you know in what is it's our superpower it's our superpower as a species in the same way that when we when we go out to play, there, you know, play is that serious business of childhood that subsequently helps us to do to do all the adult things. But play itself has an inherent value. And we can argue that as a, and rightly so, that as a society, we don't we don't value creativity in the way that we need to. And we can very strongly argue that fashion what is what dictates what art sells and all of that. So all of that is true. But as a creative, we have to first put a value on what it is that we're doing for ourselves. Well, can and, I just say, and every human is creative. Oh, that's, <laughs> just, that's just a given. Yeah, I know. But I just want to say that out there so that and if anybody is listening and yes. feels that this is about a creative person, oh. And yet, that means you. <laughs> it's it's our superpower as a as a as a species, and every single one of us is born with it. Um. So 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 what I'm saying is that if if we're waiting for society to say your work is your work is good enough, and so you 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 can keep doing it, then that might happen. It may not happen. Our 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 power comes from no matter what anybody else says, if our creativity is important to us, then that's what we do. And if we, if we begin to ask it to, to have a financial, you know, to, to begin to pay for itself, that's a whole other, it's a whole other question. And I'm not saying of course, that, um, that, that isn't something that you might decide to do, but if the only value that we're putting on our creativity is based on its financial or, 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 or what's appeared, say it's cultural worth or, you know, then we are denying that essential part of what it means to be human, which is to, to, to create, to, to, to be creative. And that is, I'm talking about, cre I'm talking about scientists, creative thinking, and, you know, I'm not just talking about um, an actual creative practice. Mm. So it's something very different so look at it in my case, for, for example, my, my, my writing comes out in poetry 
And, you know, I've, 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 I've written other stuff, but poetry is where my voice lies. Now, there's no, there's no planet in the universe at the moment where you could make a very good living from being a poet. And for me to, to put pressure on my craft to, to, to be that which makes my living would make my life very difficult. And it would make it very difficult for my, for my art. So I've chosen, and it's a purely personal thing, you know, is that I, to give myself the freedom to, 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 to write and, and, and to create poetry, I also have to be um, supporting myself in a way that is true to me. And I love it. I absolutely, because coaching is one of the most creative processes ever. But I don't put the pressure on my poetry. Yeah to earn me a living in the way that I by necessity put the pressure on my business to earn, to earn me my living. Mm. But they can, they can, and they nurture each other back and forth. Like it's lovely the way they chat to each other, but um, it will be very unfair of me to, to say to my poetry, you know, poetry, you need to put food on the table. Mm. Here we go. Oh, oh, help me. <laughs> now, of course, <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. But the caretaker also does have, I, I believe, has a role in, you know, in on, on behalf of all creativity to, you know, to make sure that it's valued in society in, in, in a real way. And that, you know, that, po you know, that poets are given the kind of support because poetry, let's look at it, you know, at, at an inauguration. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the poetry often that really touches people's hearts. What was that beautiful um, young American poet who who, who spoke at jo Joe Biden's inauguration, Amanda, I can't remember her second name, but I mean her words were just filled filled the space. And as you said earlier in in our conversation, it's the glue that binds us together. It's like it's a web a web that binds the community together. Exactly. It, it gives us meaning. It, 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 yeah, it gives us meaning. Mm. Mm. so if for people listening can you give us one just one thing to do to nourish our creative lives one thing to do to nourish your creative life is to give yourself permission to be foolish and silly <laughs> and not adult like I'm winning then. <laughs> Kate says, I'm ahead of I'm a, I'm yeah. ahead. I'm ahead. <laughs> um, one thing our creativity one that you know one of that requirements is is that we don't judge it. We you know we we give we give it that loving unconditional is my child the most amazing child in the world support. So I think that that one thing you can do for your creativity is is to to allow it in whatever way is feels right for it now to go and play mm. and i'm I, i'm particularly thinking of and, and again many many men as well but i'm particularly thinking of all the women who are feeling under such pressure at the moment with the pandemic you know that they're trying to juggle you know working from home childcare, often elder care um and i'm really feeling really really feeling bogged down and so I would, I, I would say the first step towards really entering into a creative life is give yourself 
small amounts of time to play whatever that feels like for you I said that could be just going for a little walk it could be it might even be where you know if I feel like baking or I feel like doing a, a crossword it doesn't matter what it is but allow yourself to follow your curiosity and play and then things begin to bubble 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 mm-hmm. bubble the old wouldn't be mad if you know people I love I love when people say this sounds silly but I'm thinking great something something's coming something something's coming over the over the horizon yeah because we don't I think something that I was a massive shift for me was understanding that it's not something I have to do to be creative it's something that I have to allow that I kind of have to step back out of my own way yes yeah and I mean, the, the reality is, is and, and Brené Brown, the, 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 uh, the wonderful Brené Brown has done on the phenomenal work she's done in, in the field of shame and vulnerability, is that the, the data shows that for many of us, you know, some of the first times we felt shame was around our creativity. Mm-hmm. You know, don't be, you know, don't, you know, why are you doing that? That Don't be doing that. That's, you know, that's silly. That's all of those things um, that we very early internalize um and our school system very 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 quickly helps us to internalize it as well Mm. Mm. so there we go thank you thank you so much and you have given us so much juice (laughs) and so much uh great advice to nourish our lives and have our creative lives be more juicy well, I, I, thanks, thanks, Kate. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here. But I suppose, you know, because it has made such a difference to my life mm. uh, and the joy that it brings, to, you know, the absolute joy that it brings and that that joy, you know, turns up in the most unexpected places, um, <laughs> but it begins with creativity. Mm. So, you know, it's it's a real pleasure and a privilege in any way to kind of to, to pass on what's been given to me and, 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 and share it. Mm. Thank you so much. Not at all. Thanks. Thanks, Kate. I love that Anne was so encouraging and helpful and, you know, really practical about how to develop our creativity. I think I'm off to play in the garden now, just like Carl Jung. But before I do that, before I scoot off, You can find Anne's coaching website at www.creativecoaching.ie and her beautiful poetry at Anne, that's A-N-N-E, Tannum, T-A-N-N-Vanelli, A-M for mother, poetry.ie. And if you fancy joining the conversation about creative process, you can find me over at Instagram at Kate underscore Codrington and I'd love to hear what helps your creativity to blossom. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the fascinating episodes I have coming up for you. We've got letting go, we've got activism in menopause, we've got the subtle hell of perfectionism and how to avoid it, we've got grief, sex, fascia and much more helping you to make your inner life a fantastic place to hang out.
Thank you.